0: chapter two part two of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two part two on his way to hispaniola de grasse was overtaken by rodney and brought to an engagement in which he was totally defeated and made a prisoner this decisive victory disconcerted the plans of the combined powers and gave security to the british islands in the united states it was feared that this alteration in the aspect of affairs might influence the counsels of the english cabinet on the question of peace and these apprehensions increased the uneasiness with which all intelligent men contemplated the state of the american finances it was then in contemplation to reduce the army by which many of the officers would be discharged while the general declared in a confidential letter to the secretary of war his conviction of the alacrity with which they would retire into private life could they be placed in a situation as eligible as they had left to enter into the service he added yet i cannot help fearing the result of the measure when i see such a number of men goaded by a thousand stings of reflection on the past and of anticipation on the future about to be turned on the world soured by penury and what they call the ingratitude of the public involved in debts without one farthing of money to carry them home after having spent the flower of their days and many of them their patrimonies in establishing the freedom and independence of their country and having suffered everything which human nature is capable of enduring on this side of death i repeat it when i reflect on these irritating circumstances unattended by one thing to soothe their feelings or brighten the gloomy prospect i cannot avoid apprehending that a train of evils will follow of a very serious and distressing nature i wish not to heighten the shades of the picture so far as the real life would justify me in doing or i would give anecdotes of patriotism and distress which have scarcely ever been paralleled never surpassed in the history of mankind but you may rely upon it the patience and long sufferance of this army are almost exhausted and there never was so great a spirit of discontent as at this instant while in the field i think it may be kept from breaking out into acts of outrage but when we retire into winter quarters unless the storm be previously dissipated i cannot be at ease respecting the consequences it is high time for a peace to judge rightly of the motives which produced this uneasy temper in the army it will be necessary to recollect that the resolution of october seventeen eighty granting half-pay for life to the officers stood on the mere faith of a government possessing no funds enabling it to perform its engagements from requisitions alone to be made on sovereign states the supplies were to be drawn which should satisfy these meritorious public creditors and the ill success attending these requisitions while the dangers of war were still impending furnished melancholy presages of their unproductiveness in time of peace in addition to this reflection of itself sufficient to disturb the tranquillity which the passage of the resolution had produced were other considerations of decisive influence the dispositions manifested by congress itself were so unfriendly to the half-pay establishment as to extinguish the hope that any funds the government might acquire would be applied to that object since the passage of the resolution the articles of confederation which required the concurrence of nine states to any act appropriating public money had been adopted and nine states had never been in favor of the measure should the requisitions of congress therefore be respected or should permanent funds be granted by the states the prevailing sentiment of the nation was too hostile to the compensation which had been stipulated to leave a probability that it would be substantially made this was not merely the sentiment of the individuals then administering the government which might change with a change of men it was known to be the sense of the states they represented and consequently the hope could not be indulged that on this subject a future congress would be more just or would think more liberally as therefore the establishment of that independence for which they had fought and suffered appeared to become more certain as the end of their toils approached the officers became more attentive to their own situation and the inquietude of the army increased with the progress of the negotiation in october the french troops marched to boston in order to embark for the west indies and the americans retired into winter quarters the apparent indisposition of the british general to act offensively the pacific temper avowed by the cabinet of london and the strength of the country in which the american troops were cantoned gave ample assurance that no military operations would be undertaken during the winter which could require the continuance of general washington in camp but the irritable temper of the army furnished cause for serious apprehension and he determined to forego every gratification to be derived from a suspension of his toils in order to watch its discontents while the situation of the united states thus loudly called for peace the negotiations in europe were protracted by causes which in america were almost unknown and which it would have been dangerous to declare although so far as respected the dismemberment of the british empire the war had been carried on with one common design the ulterior views of the belligerent powers were not only different but in some respects incompatible with each other to depress a proud and hated rival was so eagerly desired by the house of bourbon that france and spain might be disposed to continue hostilities for the attainment of objects in which america could feel no common interest this circumstance of its furnished motives for prolonging the war after the causes in which it originated were removed and additional delays were produced by the discordant views which were entertained in regard to those claims which were the subject of negotiation these were the boundaries which should be assigned to the united states and the participation which should be allowed them in the fisheries on both these points the wishes of france and spain were opposed to those of america and the cabinets both of versailles and madrid seemed disposed to intrigue with that of london to prevent such ample concessions respecting them as the british minister might be inclined to make preliminary and eventual articles agreed upon between the united states and great britain november thirty after an intricate negotiation in which the penetration judgment and firmness of the american commissioners were eminently displayed eventual and preliminary articles were signed on the thirtieth of november by this treaty every reasonable wish of america especially on the questions of boundary and of the fisheries was gratified the liberality of the articles on these points attests the success which attended the endeavors of the plenipotentiaries of the united states to prove that the real interests of england required that america should become independent in fact as well as name and that every cause of future discord between the two nations should be removed seventeen eighty three the effect of this treaty was suspended until peace should be concluded between france and great britain the connections between their most christian and catholic majesties not admitting of a separate peace on the part of either the negotiations between the belligerent powers of europe had been protracted by the persevering endeavors of spain to obtain the cession of gibraltar at length the formidable armament which had invested that fortress was repulsed with immense slaughter after which the place was relieved by lord howe and the besiegers abandoned the enterprise in despair negotiations were then taken up with sincerity and preliminary articles of peace between great britain france and spain were signed on the twentieth of january seventeen eighty three discontents of the american army in america the approach of peace combined with other causes produced a state of things alike interesting and critical the officers who had wasted their fortunes and their prime of life in unrewarded service fearing with reason that congress possessed neither the power nor the inclination to comply with its engagements to the army could not look with unconcern at the prospect which was opening to them in december soon after going into winter quarters they presented a petition to congress respecting the money actually due to them and proposing a commutation of the half-pay stipulated by the resolutions of october 1780 for a sum in gross which they nattered themselves would encounter fewer prejudices than the half-pay establishment some security that the engagements of the government would be complied with was also requested a committee of officers was deputed to solicit the attention of congress to this memorial and to attend its progress through the house among the most distinguished members of the federal government were persons sincerely disposed to do ample justice to the public creditors generally and to that class of them particularly whose claims were founded in military service but many viewed the army with jealous eyes acknowledged its merit with unwillingness and betrayed involuntarily their repugnance to a faithful observance of the public engagements with this question another of equal importance was connected on which congress was divided almost in the same manner one party was attached to a state the other to a continental system the latter labored to fund the public debts on solid continental security while the former opposed their whole weight to measures calculated to effect that object in consequence of these divisions on points of the deepest interest the business of the army advanced slowly and the important question respecting the commutation of their half-pay remained undecided when intelligence was received of the signature of the preliminary and eventual articles of peace between the united states and great britain anonymous letters and the proceedings and consequence thereof the officers soured by their past sufferings their present wants and their gloomy prospects exasperated by the neglect which they experienced and the injustice which they apprehended manifested an irritable and uneasy temper which required only a slight impulse to give it activity to render this temper the more dangerous an opinion had been insinuated that the commander-in-chief was restrained by extreme delicacy from supporting their interests with that zeal which his feelings and knowledge of their situation had inspired early in march a letter was received from their committee in philadelphia showing that the objects they solicited had not been obtained on the tenth of that month an anonymous paper was circulated requiring a meeting of the general and field officers at the public building on the succeeding day at eleven in the morning and announcing the expectation that an officer from each company and a delegate from the medical staff would attend the object of the meeting was avowed to be to consider the late letter from their representatives in philadelphia and what measures if any should be adopted to obtain that redress of grievances which they seemed to have solicited in vain on the same day an address to the army was privately circulated which was admirably well calculated to work on the passions of the moment and to lead to the most desperate resolutions full justice cannot be done to this eloquent paper without inserting it entire to the officers of the army gentlemen a fellow-soldier whose interests and affections bend him strongly to you whose past sufferings have been as great and whose future fortune may be as desperate as yours would beg leave to address you age has its claims and rank is not without its pretensions to advise but though unsupported by both he flatters himself that the plain language of sincerity and experience will neither be unheard nor unregarded like many of you he loved private life and left it with regret he left it determined to retire from the field with the necessity that called him to it and not until then not until the enemies of his country the slaves of power and the hirelings of injustice were compelled to abandon their schemes and acknowledge america as terrible in arms as she had been humble in remonstrance with this object in view he has long shared in your toils and mingled in your dangers he has felt the cold hand of poverty without a murmur and has seen the insolence of wealth without a sigh but too much under the direction of his wishes and sometimes weak enough to mistake desire for opinion he has until lately very lately believed in the justice of his country he hoped that as the clouds of adversity scattered and as the sunshine of peace and better fortune broke in upon us the coldness and severity of government would relax and that more than justice that gratitude would blaze forth upon those hands which had upheld her in the darkest stages of her passage from impending servitude to acknowledged independence but faith has its limits as well as temper and there are points beyond which neither can be stretched without sinking into cowardice or plunging into credulity this my friends i conceive to be your situation hurried to the very verge of both another step would ruin you for ever to be tame and unprovoked when injuries press hard upon you is more than weakness but to look up for kinder usage without one manly effort of your own would fix your character and show the world how richly you deserve those chains you broke to guard against this evil let us take a review of the ground upon which we now stand and from thence carry our thoughts forward for a moment into the unexplored field of expedient after a pursuit of seven long years the object for which we set out is at length brought within our reach yes my friends that suffering courage of yours was active once it has conducted the united states of america through a doubtful and a bloody war it has placed her in the chair of independency and peace returns again to bless whom a country willing to redress your wrongs cherish your worth and reward your services a country courting your return to private life with tears of gratitude and smiles of admiration longing to divide with you that independency which your gallantry has given and those riches which your wounds have preserved is this the case or is it rather a country that tramples upon your rights disdains your cries and insults your distresses have you not more than once suggested your wishes and made known your wants to congress wants and wishes which gratitude and policy would have anticipated rather than evaded and have you not lately in the meek language of entreating memorials begged from their justice which you could no longer expect from their favour how have you been answered let the letter which you are called to consider to-morrow reply if this then be your treatment while the swords you wear are necessary for the defence of america what have you to expect from peace when your voice shall sink and your strength dissipate by division when those very swords the instruments and companions of your glory shall be taken from your sides and no remaining mark of military distinction left but your wants infirmities and scars can you then consent to be the only sufferers by this revolution and retire from the field grow old in poverty wretchedness and contempt can you consent to wade through the vile mire of dependency and owe the miserable remnant of that life to charity which has hitherto been spent in honour if you can go and carry with you the jest of tories and the scorn of whigs the ridicule and what is worse the pity of the world go starve and be forgotten but if your spirit should revolt to this if you have sense enough to discover and spirit enough to oppose tyranny under whatever garb it may assume whether it be the plain coat of republicanism or the splendid robe of royalty if you have yet learned to discriminate between a people and a cause between men and principles awake attend to your situation and redress yourselves if the present moment be lost every future effort is in vain and your threats then will be as empty as your entreaties now i would advise you therefore to come to some final opinion upon what you can bear and what you will suffer if your determination be in any proportion to your wrongs carry your appeal from the justice to the fears of the government change the milk-and-water style of your last memorial assume a bolder tone decent but lively spirited and determined and suspect the man who would advise to more moderation and longer forbearance let two or three men who can feel as well as write be appointed to draw up your last remonstrance for i would no longer give it the suing soft unsuccessful epithet of memorial let it be represented in language that will neither dishonour you by its rudeness nor betray you by its fears what has been promised by congress and what has been performed how long and how patiently you have suffered how little you have asked and how much of that little has been denied tell them that though you were the first and would wish to be the last to encounter danger though despair itself can never drive you into dishonour it may drive you from the field that the wound often irritated and never healed may at length become incurable and that the slightest mark of indignity from congress now must operate like the graven part you for ever that in any political event the army has its alternative if peace that nothing shall separate you from your arms but death if war that courting the auspices and inviting the directions of your illustrious leader you will retire to some unsettled country smile in your turn and mock when their fear cometh on but let it represent also that should they comply with the request of your late memorial it would make you more happy and then more respectable that while war should continue you would follow their standard into the field and when it came to an end you would withdraw into the shade of private life and give the world another subject of wonder and applause an army victorious over its enemies victorious over itself persuaded as the officers in general were of the indisposition of government to remunerate their services this eloquent and impassioned address dictated by genius and by feeling found in almost every bosom a kindred though latent sentiment prepared to receive its impression quick as the train to which a torch is applied the passions caught its flame and nothing seemed to be required but the assemblage proposed for the succeeding day to communicate the conflagration to the combustible mass and to produce an explosion ruinous to the army and to the nation fortunately the commander-in-chief was in camp his characteristic firmness and decision did not forsake him in this crisis the occasion required that his measures should be firm but prudent and conciliatory evincive of his fixed determination to oppose any rash proceedings but calculated to assuage the irritation which was excited and to restore confidence in government knowing well that it was much easier to avoid intemperate measures than to correct them he thought it of essential importance to prevent the immediate meeting of the officers but knowing also that a sense of injury and a fear of injustice had made a deep impression on them and that their sensibilities were all alive to the proceedings of congress on their memorial he thought it more advisable to guide their deliberations on that interesting subject than to discountenance them with these views he noticed in his orders the anonymous paper proposing a meeting of the officers and expressed his conviction that their good sense would secure them from paying any attention to such an irregular invitation his own duty he conceived as well as the reputation and true interest of the army required his disapprobation of such disorderly proceedings at the same time he requested the general and field officers with one officer from each company and a proper representation from the staff of the army to assemble at twelve on saturday the fifteenth at the new building to hear the report of the committee deputed by the army to congress after mature deliberation they will devise what farther measures ought to be adopted as most rational and best calculated to obtain the just and important object in view the senior officer in rank present was directed to preside and report the result of the deliberations to the commander-in-chief the day succeeding that on which these orders were published a second anonymous address appeared from the same pen which had written the first its author acquainted with the discontents of the army did not seem to despair of impelling the officers to the desired point he affected to consider the orders in a light favorable to his views as giving system to their proceedings and stability to their resolves but washington would not permit himself to be misunderstood the interval between his orders and the general meeting they invited was employed in impressing on those officers individually who possessed the greatest share of the general confidence a just sense of the true interests of the army and the whole weight of his influence was exerted to calm the agitations of the moment and conduct them to a happy termination this was a work of no inconsiderable difficulty so convinced were many that government designed to deal unfairly by them that only the reliance they placed on their general and their attachment to his person and character could have moderated their resentment so far as to induce them to adopt the measures he recommended on the fifteenth the convention of officers assembled and general gates took the chair the commander-in-chief then addressed them in the following terms gentlemen by an anonymous summons an attempt has been made to convene you together how inconsistent with the rules of propriety how unmilitary and how subversive of all order and discipline let the good sense of the army decide in the moment of this summons another anonymous production was sent into circulation addressed more to the feelings and passions than to the judgment of the army the author of the piece is entitled to much credit for the goodness of his pen and i could wish he had as much credit for the rectitude of his heart for as men see through different optics and are induced by the reflecting faculties of the mind to use different means to attain the same end the author of the address should have had more charity than to mark for suspicion the man who should recommend moderation and longer forbearance or in other words who should not think as he thinks and act as he advises but he had another plan in view in which candour and liberality of sentiment regard to justice and love of country have no part and who is right to insinuate the darkest suspicion to effect the blackest design that the address was drawn with great art and is designed to answer the most insidious purposes that it is calculated to impress the mind with an idea of premeditated injustice in the sovereign power of the united states and rouse all those resentments which must unavoidably flow from such a belief that the secret mover of this scheme whoever he may be intended to take advantage of the passions while they were warmed by the recollection of past distresses without giving time for cool deliberate thinking and that composure of mind which is so necessary to give dignity and stability to measures is rendered too obvious by the mode of conducting the business to need other proof than a reference to the proceedings thus much gentlemen i have thought it incumbent on me to observe to you to show upon what principles i oppose the irregular And hasty meeting which was proposed to have been held on tuesday last and not because i wanted a disposition to give you every opportunity consistent with your own honour and the dignity of the army to make known your grievances if my conduct heretofore has not evinced to you that i have been a faithful friend to the army my declaration of it at this time would be equally unavailing and improper but as i was among the first to embark in the cause of our common country as i have never left your side one moment but when called from you on public duty as i have been the constant companion and witness of your distresses and not among the last to feel and acknowledge your merits as i have ever considered my own military reputation as inseparably connected with that of the army as my heart has ever expanded with joy when i have heard its praises and my indignation has arisen when the mouth of detraction has been opened against it it can scarcely be supposed at this last stage of the war that i am indifferent to its interests but how are they to be promoted the way is plain says the anonymous addresser if war continues remove into the unsettled country there establish yourselves and leave an ungrateful country to defend itself but who are they to defend our wives our children our farms and other property which we leave behind us or in this state of hostile separation are we to take the two first the latter cannot be removed to perish in a wilderness with hunger cold and nakedness if peace takes place never sheathe your swords says he until you have obtained full and ample justice this dreadful alternative of either deserting our country in the extremest hour of her distress or turning our arms against it which is the apparent object unless congress can be compelled into instant compliance has something so shocking in it that humanity revolts at the idea my god what can this writer have in view by recommending such measures can he be a friend to the army can he be a friend to this country rather is he not an insidious foe some emissary perhaps from new york plotting the ruin of both by sowing the seeds of discord and separation between the civil and military powers of the continent and what a compliment does he pay to our understandings when he recommends measures in either alternative impracticable in their nature but here gentlemen i will drop the curtain because it would be as imprudent in me to assign my reasons for this opinion as it would be insulting to your conception to suppose you stood in need of them a moment's reflection will convince every dispassionate mind of the physical impossibility of carrying either proposal into execution there might gentlemen be an impropriety in my taking notice in this address to you of an anonymous production but the manner in which that performance has been introduced to the army together with some other circumstances will amply justify my observations on the tendency of that writing with respect to the advice given by the author to suspect the man who shall recommend moderate measures and longer forbearance i spurn it as every man who regards that liberty and reveres that justice for which we contend undoubtedly must for if men are to be precluded from offering their sentiments on a matter which may involve the most serious and alarming consequences that can invite the consideration of mankind reason is of no use to us the freedom of speech may be taken away and dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter i cannot in justice to my own belief and what i have Great reason to conceive is the intention of congress conclude this address without giving it as my decided opinion that that honorable body entertain exalted sentiments of the services of the army and from a full conviction of its merits and sufferings will do it complete justice that their endeavors to discover and establish funds for this purpose have been unwearied and will not cease until they have succeeded i have not a doubt but like all other large bodies where there is a variety of different interests to reconcile their determinations are slow why then should we distrust them and in consequence of that distrust adopt measures which may cast a shade over that glory which has been so justly acquired and tarnish the reputation of an army which is celebrated through all europe for its fortitude and patriotism and for what is this done to bring the object we seek nearer no most certainly in my opinion it will cast it at a greater distance for myself and i take no merit in giving the assurance being induced to it from principles of gratitude veracity and justice and a grateful sense of the confidence you have ever placed in me a recollection of the cheerful assistance and prompt obedience i have experienced from you under every vicissitude of fortune and the sincere affection i feel for an army i have so long had the honour to command will oblige me to declare in this public and solemn manner that, in the entertainment of complete justice for all your toils and dangers and in the gratification of every wish so far as may be done consistently with the great duty i owe my country and those powers we are bound to respect you may freely command my services to the utmost extent of my abilities while i give these assurances and pledge myself in the most unequivocal manner to exert whatever abilities i am possessed of in your favour let me entreat you gentlemen on your part not to take any measures which viewed in the calm light of reason will lessen the dignity and sully the glory you have hitherto maintained let me request you to rely on the plighted faith of your country and place a full confidence in the purity of the intentions of congress that previous to your dissolution as an army they will cause all your accounts to be fairly liquidated as directed in the resolutions which were published to you two days ago and that they will adopt the most effectual measures in their power to render ample justice to you for your faithful and meritorious services and let me conjure you in the name of our common country as you value your own honour as you respect the rights of humanity and as you regard the military and national character of america to express your utmost horror and detestation of the man who wishes under any specious pretences to overturn the liberties of our country and who wickedly attempts to open the floodgates of civil discord and deluge our rising empire in blood by thus determining and thus acting you will pursue the plain and direct road to the attainment of your wishes you will defeat the insidious designs of our enemies who are compelled to resort from open force to secret artifice you will give one more distinguished proof of unexampled patriotism and patient virtue rising superior to the pressure of the most complicated sufferings and you will by the dignity of your conduct afford occasion for posterity to say when speaking of the glorious example you have exhibited to mankind had this day been wanting the world had never seen the last stage of perfection to which human nature is capable of attaining End of chapter two part two